Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Well, I spent last night in a bar in Macon. I did. Uh, it's so funny because, and I'm not, I'm, this is definitely not a brag. I, I was just, my dad drank a lot when I was young and I was always scared of alcohol, so I never really did the wild things that some people do. Um, so last night for the first time, I'm 52, I actually got carded and stamped that I was legally allowed to drink alcohol. I thought it was pretty obvious by the way my hairline has receded that I was pretty, anyway, so it took a, I do want to thank my son for that. Thank you, son, for playing in a bar last night and me going to uh, see that. So that was in Macon. So that was an adventure. That was really good. I am so glad that he's here this morning visiting us from uh, UGA, which is really good. So thank you for being here, buddy. Um, I do have a warning for you guys. Um, Mitchell, Mitchell is driving again. Mitchell, raise your hand. Um, I'll tell you guys something Uh, I am convinced that there is nothing that dude can't do Uh, he is a encouragement and an inspiration for me and I have y'all haven't even seen videos that I've seen because he sends I tell him please send me videos of you uh, because at, at some point in the very near future, he is going to walk in through these doors and sit down. I promise you that's going to happen. You may not, you may, I don't know. No, I'm telling you, that is going to happen because I've seen the videos. He's almost there as it is. Um, it's an amazing thing, <clears throat> and you're an inspiration, my friend. And I know that you may wonder what God's doing. I can tell you what he's doing for me uh, through you. Um, he's showing me that with God, all things are possible. You know, let's give him a hand, you guys. It's awesome. It's good stuff. All right, you guys, turn to John chapter uh, 13. John chapter 13. We're going to go into John chapter 13. And this morning, we're going to talk about three things. And they, they kind of, it's, it's Jesus talking, but it's kind of a mix here. We're going to talk about betrayal. We're going to talk about a new commandment. And then we're going to talk about weakness. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about a betrayal. We're going to talk about a new commandment, and we're going to talk about weakness. So, let's look at John chapter 13. I do want to remind you why this book is written and why we are going through this series. I told you before that the first 12 chapters is the book of signs. We've now closed the page on that, and we are now in the last little bit of his life, about three or four or five days of his life. We're going to see a miracle soon, but... John 13 through 21 is the book of glory, and that is where we will be today. Now, why were these things written? Here's why they were written. Here's the main goal of John. It's found in John chapter 20, verse 31. It says this, But these are written so that you may continue to what? To believe, so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. And so one of the things that Jesus wanted you to understand here as he's teaching what we're going to teach today, and one of the things that John wanted to convey about the message of Christ is this, that Christ not only cares about your eternity, but he also cares about your today 
Are you with me? He, it's, not, <clears throat> it's not great enough that He is a God that wants to bring you with Him into eternity, into heaven, into this perfection. It's not just great enough that He loves you enough for that, but also He cares about your today. And I love the fact that John is pointing that out. That by believing, believing, you'll have life. And how are you going to have life? Well, it's by the power of His name. That's how you're going to have life. And it's life today, which is a great, great thing. Let's look at John chapter 13, starting in verse 21. It says this, it says, Now Jesus was deeply troubled and exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. I want to stop real quick and remind you, they are at, they are at what we know as the Last Supper. So they're sitting around a table. They're sitting around, and I'll explain that in a minute, because it's an interesting little dynamic you have going on here. It says, Then the disciples look at each other, wondering whom it could mean. The disciple Jesus loved, and they're talking about John there, the author of this book, was sitting next to Jesus at the table. And Simon Peter mentioned uh, to him to ask, Who's he talking about? You know that's how he said it. You know he didn't say like, who is heeth talking abouteth? He said, you know he said, hey bro, look, who's he talking about? Like, it isn't me, is it? <laughs> you know he said that. Anyway, so he motioned to him and he asked, who's he talking about? And so that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? And Jesus responded, it is the one whom I give the bread, uh, give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of uh, Simon Iscariot, then Judas, uh, when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered to, into him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. And none of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was the treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or go give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going into the night. And then he says, as soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, and here's the red letters if you have a red letter Bible. And this is where this whole starts and for chapters we're going to see it. At the, uh, at the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into His glory. And God will be glorified because of Him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, He will soon give glory to the Son. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. As I told the, the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you'll follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus answered, die for me. I'll tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny three times that you even know me. God, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the power it holds to teach and mold and guide us. Let it do that now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> what do these verses say about us? What do these verses say about God? And what are we going to do about it? I want to talk about those three things in depth today. I want to talk about this betrayal. I want to talk about this new commandment. And I want to talk about this weakness that we see. Now here's the setting. Can we bring up the picture, uh, Lynn? <clears throat> this is what we've usually seen as the Last Supper, right? You see that? One of my favorite jokes is this. 
What did Jesus say at the Last Supper? Hey guys, everybody get on this side for a picture. Not bad, huh? All right. So here's the thing. <clears throat> this is very inaccurate. Can we bring that picture back up? This is very inaccurate. This is a very inaccurate picture and, and depiction. So the, the, actual, the actual table, if you want to call it that, the actual table, and, and they're not really sitting on stools, they're kind of lounging around. It's actually in a U-shape. All right? It's in a U-shape. And what you have here is you have Jesus at, at the head of the U there, and, and people are kind of lounging around eating, and so it's in this U shape. You know, we talked about <clears throat> washing feet, so what, have hap- what would have happened in this U-shaped uh, table thingy, what would have happened is that Jesus would have gotten up, walked over to the basin, and then literally as they're lounging there, he would have started washing feet. So you have this U-shape, they're lounging, they're lounging around the table, and all of a sudden, Jesus says this, that someone's going to betray him. And John is lounging beside him. In this actual depiction, you can see the first person on the left, that is, that is John. Um, no, I don't care what to the Da Vinci Code or whatever says, that garbage. Anyway, but, but that, that is John. John was very young uh, at the time, uh, as were most of the disciples. But they were lounging there, and, and Peter kind of caught John's glance and was like, Ask him who it is. Ask him who it is. And so John was like, okay, uh, who is it? <laughs> who are we talking about? And then Jesus goes on and he tells who it will be and they still didn't understand. The question I have for you today is this. Have you ever been betrayed? Has anyone ever betrayed you? Has anyone ever betrayed you? Has anyone ever promised they would do one thing and they did the opposite? Has anyone ever presented themselves to you as one thing only for you to find out that they were something completely different? Has anyone ever told you something or showed you something and then in the end they showed themselves to be a liar. They showed themselves to be something that they were not. I want you to understand something here. Judas has been with Christ for three years. He has been one of the twelve. He has hung out with him every day. They have traveled all around. He has seen all the miracles, everything, and on and on and on and on and on. And we started to see little glimpses of this whenever we saw the anointing of Jesus when he said, hey, listen, you could have used all that for the poor. But the scripture says, no, he he really didn't care about the poor. What he cared about is taking money out of the coffers of the treasury of the ministry. But have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever been betrayed? Has anyone, I want you to think back right now, have you ever been betrayed? And secondly, I want you to ask yourself, if you have been betrayed, how exactly did you feel? And what exactly did you do about it? Listen, I want to tell you something. Whenever people betray you, it cuts us very deep. It does. And I want to say something even more profound here. Not because I'm profound, but just because it's the truth. Especially if that's in church. Especially if a pastor 
especially if a worship leader, especially if someone who is supposed to carry the Word of God betrays you and shows themselves to be something that they are not. Let me tell you why betrayal is so difficult for us. You go into a process to where you begin to trust someone. And you begin to trust them. And they end up showing themselves not worthy of that trust. And when they show themselves not worthy of that trust, here's what occurs for you and I. When someone betrays us, it sets us back oftentimes on our walk and on our mission that God has for us. And the reason for that is, is because what you do is, is you begin to think that this betrayal will represent everybody who is in this role. For instance, if you've been betrayed by a pastor, there's people here that I know for a fact have been betrayed by a pastor. I hope not me, but I know you've been betrayed by a pastor. If you've been betrayed by a pastor, maybe that's what kept you from coming to church for so long. Maybe that's why, I, I don't know if you guys have known about this new thing called deconstruction, all right, where you deconstruct your faith. You know, all the things you were told, you deconstruct that and then you begin to build it up again. Can I be real with you and tell you, you should always be deconstructing your faith. You should always be questioning and searching and looking for truth. If I say it up here, don't just listen to what I say and say, well, that's the truth. You need to go to your scriptures and you need to pray to God and you need to let Holy Spirit teach you. Because I'm a human as well and I can screw things up. Trust me, I know me. I don't need any comments from anybody. That's just no amens, no boy, howdy. So here's the thing. When you do that, what you end up doing is, is you end up putting up walls. And this is a natural thing. When you've been betrayed, you put up walls. And when you put up walls, you don't allow some of the very people that God wants to help you heal, God wants to help you with, you don't allow those people in either. Because there's a loss of trust there in your life when you are betrayed. And the depth, the depth of that can last for years and years and years. I tell people oftentimes, there's a lot of people that come to this church that come to this church because they were burned or hurt by other churches. They were betrayed by other churches. And they come here because they feel like this is a genuine, safe place. I hope that is always the case here for our church, to be a genuine, safe place. But when you're betrayed, when you're betrayed, you put up these walls. And when you put up these walls and you don't let anyone in, this is what I see oftentimes with people, is God begins to send people to you, but there's such a loss of trust that you don't allow people in. And the healing takes longer and longer and longer from the betrayal. And because it's taken longer and longer and longer, the plan and purpose that God has for your life is derailed. And here's the worst part about it, is that you continue over and over and over and over getting betrayed, not 
every day, but because you're unwilling to go forward, then you feel like that's the case. So the person that betrayed you actually is doing it over and over again, and they don't even know because they've moved on and they don't care. Working with people and, and, and ministering to people that have been betrayed is a very difficult thing, even in a counseling realm, because if you are in a counseling realm, they don't even trust the counselor oftentimes. And I guess if I were going to tell you anything, I would tell you this. If you've been betrayed and you're still in that situation, I would say, listen, be real careful of who you let speak in your life. But also, I would tell you, seek out people that you know and that you think you could possibly trust. And know that not everyone fits the mold that the person that betrayed you fits. Know that not everyone represents that. There's a thing in counseling, and trust me, I'm not some kind of Dr. Phil guy up here, okay? So I don't want it to sound like that. But there's a thing in counseling called transference. And here's what transference is. Transference is, uh, is that, is that it, it's, let me give, just give you an example. I used to work with children that was in a, in a mental health setting. And when I would work with those children, uh, they would get close to me and they would start having transference. And so they would get angry with me. And they weren't angry with me because I did anything. They were angry with me because I reminded them of their dad. And so... They, I reminded them of their dad, and they would get angry with me, and they would have to work through a counselor and say, wow, I am, I, the anger that I have for my father, I'm actually transferring onto this person. That's what they said. And I would have to work through those things with them and say, hey, I'm not your daddy. <laughs> I'm not. And I'm not, I'm not someone who's going, going to, to hurt you. And I invite you to stay as long as you want to see that. But who I say I am, I will do everything I can to live up to that. But betrayal is a hard thing for us. I just want to tell you that I hope that Real Church is a place where people that have been hurt by the church or hurt by other people can come and can heal. I've had people that have come to me and said, hey, listen, I just want you to know that I had a bad experience and I'm really broken. And I said, hey, that's great. Just come and sit in the back somewhere or, you know, because, Lord, no one's going to sit on the front row. But, but uh, just come and sit in the back somewhere, and you can, you can just heal. There's no expectations of you. You don't have to serve. You don't have to do anything. Just come and enjoy our fellowship and our great food and our great coffee and our great praise band and our mediocre preacher. And come hang out with us and just heal. And if you want to talk to me, that's great. If you want to go to counseling, you guys may not even know this, but if you can't afford to go to counseling, we pay for it. All right, if you can't afford it, we pay for it. We have Christian counselors in this area we contract with. We love doing that. We've done it before. We'll keep doing it. But the important part is, is that you get past that betrayal. And let me tell you why. Think about this for a second. Judas had been with Jesus for three years. Jesus knew, he knew, this is amazing to me, he knew the betrayal and what it was going to be. He knew what was going to occur. And instead of putting up walls, Jesus decided to go forth to the cross and rip down every wall. He did. Instead of putting up walls, he ripped down every wall. Now you're saying what I always would say, because I've been betrayed before, and you withdraw back, but 
he's, you're saying what I would say, and I would say, well, yeah, I know, right? But he's Jesus. And I would tell you, that's right, he's Jesus. He had a little something special that I don't have. Until the point where I surrender my life to him. And then he lives through me, and then I have it. And that's his example. Jesus, this is, this is an amazing thing. Jesus was betrayed. He spent every day with him. But Jesus, even on the night he was betrayed, we will see soon that he got up from the table and went straight forward to the cross. Nothing was going to take away his mission. He was an, exam he was an example for us to watch. Had a friend of mine tell me this week, I, I love calling other pastors and talking to them, and I had a friend of mine tell me this this week, and it's so good, it's so good. I've got some great news about your betrayal that you need to hear. The first one is this, and I want to encourage you to do this. Galatians 6.9 says this. If you are betrayed, I don't want you to not grow tired of doing good. I want you to hear that. If someone has hurt you, don't grow tired of doing good. The way that would work is, is that you have been doing good and you've been doing good things for people and you've been serving people and someone who maybe you're serving or someone you trust has betrayed you and whenever you are betrayed at that very moment, you say, I'm not doing this anymore. And God is shouting with you this, and this is what Paul's saying, don't grow tired of doing good because at the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing. So don't give up. Don't give up. You're going to reap a harvest of blessing. Another great thing is this, because one of the things that sometimes ticks me off is that whenever someone maybe betrays you or someone hurts you, man, I want everyone in the world to know. I do. Luke 12, verses 2 and 3 says, The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed. And, the, and all that is secret will be made known to who? to all. Whatever you've said in the dark will be heard in the light and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Can I tell you something? God's truth will eventually come out. I have found that if I continue to do good, continue on the mission God has for me, continue to walk in Christ, continue to do the best I can do even on my bad days, I have found that if I do that, then I will eventually see the truth come out. Matthew 27 Verses 3 and 4 says, When Judas, who had betrayed him, this is back to the story, when Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. He said this to him. He said, I have sinned, for I have betrayed an innocent man. And they go, what do we care? That's your problem. Even Judas, soon after, realized. Even Judas would be shown in the open. Even Judas would realize what had happened for all to see and for you and I to read about over 2,000 years later. It's an amazing thing.
I want to tell you some good news. You can trust Jesus. Just like Jesus trusted His Father, if we don't grow weary of doing what's right, God's truth will be seen by all. The next thing I want to talk to you about is a new command. A new command. I can see some of you going, thank God, just get off that topic. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm with you. I'm there with you. A new command. What is this new command? Well, he says this. He says, he says this. He says, so now I'm going to give you a new command. This is in verse 34. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other for your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. Is this command really new? I don't know if it's new or not. Let's take a look. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. It says this. It says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite. But here it is. But love your neighbor as yourself, for I am God. And so is this really a new command? Well, yes and no. Is it new? Well, they would recognize immediately. This is like, hey man, this isn't new. This was in Leviticus. This is not something new. Oh, but it is new. Just like when he did the Sermon on the Mount, he took the law, he took their words, and he expanded it. And the way he expanded it is with his own life. And so he's saying this. He's saying, I want you to love other people. This is a new command. It's not something that you do because you have to. It's something you do because you want to, because you've experienced my love in your life. Jesus was the example. He's saying, I want you to do as you have seen me do the last three years. And what was his example? Well, he was humble. He was humble. He was genuine. He didn't have walls up. He was genuine. He was present. That meant he loved other people and he was present in their life. One of the best things you can do for other people, you guys, is called the ministry of presence. The ministry of presence. We see it in the book of Job, you know, when, when all the people gather around him and then they screw it up and start talking. Right? They're sitting there with Job. They're just sitting there in his presence. Some of you guys often wonder, well, gosh, what do you say when someone passes away? What do you say when someone's in the hospital? Can I tell you what you do? You just go and be. Some people don't need your answers. They just need you to be present with them. And that's what Jesus was. He was present, and that is how he loved other people. He had grace and acceptance for one another and for other people. Everyone isn't going to be like us, you guys. But here it is. Give grace and acceptance to other people because they're not supposed to be like you and me. And I want to do a little caveat here and tell you that grace and acceptance also includes you. We oftentimes are so quick to love other people. We're so quick to give grace to other people. And we forget one person in your life and it's the person that looks you in the mirror every day. It's you. What did Jesus do? He put others first. I told you last week, it's God, others, and us. That's the order. 1 John 4.12 says this. 1 John 4.12 says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And His love is brought, and I love this, I love what this says. His love is brought to full expression in us. There's pictures that I love looking at with people. The best pictures in the world are the ones that you don't know people are taking and you have a full expression on your face. Now sometimes those expressions are a little awkward like, 
I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about a full, overwhelming smile. A full expression. That's what we're supposed to be. A full expression. The final thing I want to talk about is weaknesses. In John 13, 36-38, this is what Peter says. He says, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. By the way, a lot of people think that Jesus was telling him, hey, where are you going? Well, I'm going to heaven and you can't go now. That's not at all what he's talking about. Jesus is talking about the cross. Where Jesus was going was the cross. And he's saying, Peter, I understand that you may think you want to go. You can't go now. But you'll go later. And we know that Peter went later. He actually was crucified upside down because he felt that being crucified the way Christ was was too much of a, of a look at me. It was too much. And so he's like, no, I, don't, I, I, I am so no, I'm so less than Christ. I want to be crucified upside down because I'm not worthy to even be crucified the way he was. He said, Where, you know, what are you going to do? You can't go with me, but you'll follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? I'm ready to die for you. And he said, die for me? I'll tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny three times that you even know me. When Jesus started talking, this whole situation, in my, script, in my Bible it's called the final farewell. When Jesus starts this final farewell, and he's talking about loving other people, and what he must do, that he must go and die and be glorified. Uh, you guys ever do this? Uh, whenever he starts talking about all this stuff, Peter turned off. He turned off everything. He didn't listen to anything Jesus said. All he was focused on was, that ain't happening, that ain't happening, and that ain't happening. He didn't. He was, he was listening to respond instead of listening to listen and listen for understanding. Just a little caveat, guys. I would start listening to understand, not to respond. That's free. That's free. You don't have to even, that's just free. So Jesus did this with Peter, as he oftentimes does with us, if you're in the sanctification process. He peeled back a little layer, just a little layer of Peter. And he says, Peter, I know you think you're strong, but you are not strong. You are not, as a matter of fact, to, by, by the time tomorrow morning hits, before the sun comes up, you're going to deny that you even know me. Peter, I know that you feel like you, this is all, but it's really not. One of my favorite artists of all time, his name is Rich Mullins, and he had a song. It's this. It says, we are not as strong as we think we are. We're not as strong as we think we are. The greatest place in your walk with God is to be fully reliant on Jesus Christ because we're not as strong as we think we are. The greatest place is to be walking just right behind Him, admitting your need for Him and allowing Him to lift you up. And it's amazing because if you do that, you'll start seeing, you won't have to be this super Christian anymore. You'll admit, hey, listen, I don't have it all together. Hey, listen, I'm a flawed individual. I'm not as strong as I think I am. But with Christ, all things are possible. 2 Corinthians, I'm going to end on this. 2 Corinthians verse 12, chapter 12, verses 9 and 11 says this. And I love this. It says, every time he said, 
My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. My power works best in weakness. He's saying this, he's saying, I want you to get something. In order for my power to work in your life, in order for you to have the abundant life that, that John talks about in John 10.10, in order for you to do that, I'm going to need you to admit your weaknesses. And so we see Paul say, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. Why is he glad to boast? Why is he glad to boast about his weaknesses? Here's why. Because that way, the power of Christ can work through me. He goes on to say this, That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, and the hardships, and the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And the reason, this is the reason I am strong is because I have decided that in my weakness, that's how the power of Christ will work through me. He says, You have made me act like a fool. You ought to be, you ought to be writing rec- uh, commendations for me, for I am inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing at all. I am nothing at all. The best place you can be is to realize that you're not as strong as you think you are. You're not. You're not as strong as you think you are. Betrayal. A new command. Weakness. And that's the message that God would have you here today. Let me pray for you. Lord, we do thank you. And this is going to sound odd, God, but I thank you so much for my weakness. I thank you so much that you remind me often that I am a weak vessel that only can operate with your power when I admit and decide that I need your power. God, so many people here and so many people everywhere think that they always have to show a strong face. They always have to be on top of things. And your word says this, your word says, when we are weak, your power makes us strong. God, I do pray for people today that have been betrayed. I do pray for people that have been let down by other people. I do pray for people that have experienced deep hurts. We, don't, we definitely do not brush those aside. Lord, I also pray, though, that if they've experienced hurt, that they would do whatever it takes to get back on the mission and the plan and the purpose that you have for them. God, let us see your example and walk in your ways. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus that I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand up for a final worship song this morning. As always, the altar is open.
We have an open altar always. If you need prayer, please come down. I can pray with you, Jonathan, or pray with you. I'll tell you what a lot of people are, our people do, though. They come up here themselves, and then our people surround them. Because when you come up here, you're really laying down those things and showing your weakness. And I promise you that the church here will do what they're supposed to do, and that's glorify God and edify others. And that others is you. Let's sing. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.